0: Katabai's Council, good. That's once again, we're getting back to this question of what you create and what's real and what's not. There was a time when some of the great mafia dons of the past in the 80s got together and said, there's too much bloodshed. Let's sort of settle things here. Our guys are over there. Your guys are over here. There was a time when that happened. I wasn't involved in it, but it's part of Mumbai history, part of Bombay history. (coughs) So I took that incident when some leaders got together and said let's let's cool this down and created a council of leaders around the wise leader Karabai. if you read the book you know that Karabai wasn't a wise leader and you know that and you know that his mirror character and that brings me to another question mirror characters thank you for asking about mirror characters let's bring you in right here on this question the thing about the mirror character here is that you've got Abdelkader Khan who imposes all of his power by force then you've got Qasim Ali Hussein, the headman in the slum who has no weapons, no army and nothing more than the integrity of his authority, maintained by him, by his dignity, by his in- integrity. These are characters. They're not real people. But I wanted each one to be a mirror of the other to show it is possible to have real power in this world, so to speak. I don't think there's any power really other than one. There's one power and here there's a lot of energy, but we use the word power. And that's okay, I think, in general conversation. To say this person has enormous power through the influence, through respect, through this person says rise, they rise, this person says fall, they fall. And there's nothing there but integrity and over here it is constantly maintained by force, ruthlessly. I wanted that mirror to be there. I wanted, um, for instance, Abdullah to be a brother of darkness, a brother of the dark way, a brother of the way of the gun, the knife, the weapon. The way of death. And I wanted Prabhaka to be the brother of light who is showing a different way through kindness and through empathy and through s- his simple innocence. It's too innocent for this world, in a sense, to create a character who is re- very, very innocent. So these mirror characters, you know, um, give it the opportunity as a reader to, f- to go back and forth between subconscious mirrors of this one is this and this one is that. We may recognize it subconsciously, because every character has a mirror character in the book. So that brings us through there. The Carter Council was created from that one incident as an opportunity really for me as a writer, and I have to admit this, any, (laughs) any other writer will admit it too, I think. How do I get these words, this philosophical discussion, into this book? I'll get the most dangerous people in the book to say it. So, if I would sat in a room full of priests who were saying this, people go, yeah, let me get back to what's going on here. Where were those gangsters again, if you know what I mean? By getting these characters, to, by giving... I, I could have given the same wisdom to any character in the book. It could have been Johnny Cigar in the slum, easily. I gave him two great wisdoms. But that kind of thing, it, if you look at it as a writer, <clears throat> it's not manipulative, it's a gift to a certain character. And it allows the reader to hear these words because they're coming from an unexpected source. So keep that in your back pocket. It's a writer's trick. And writers are very, they're reluctant to share their tricks. I don't know why. We're not magicians. <laughs> People can work it out for themselves. All right, the next one. We've got um, The Spiritual Path. Uh, guys, The Spiritual Path is out in e-book. Uh, it will come out in uh, soft cover, uh, there will be a limited edition hardcover, and it's coming out in soft cover in September, I think, of this year. It will be out this year in September. Um, the Spiritual Path, what is it? I went off the grid for six years. I finally found a spiritual teacher I could admire with every cell in my body. I may not agree with absolutely everything he says, I love him with all my heart, but I admire him constantly. I admire the quality of his penance, the sacrifice in what he does. Forty years of performing a Siddhi, which is a very arduous ritual. Forty years of this in temples all over India with utmost sincerity. I admire the fact that he never quotes from scripture. He only ever talks from what he knows from his own experience. And that was so refreshing. I, I many, many, many times sat at the feet of teachers and learned many things, but there were always things the teachers were passing me from great sacred texts everything i heard from him was original and came from his lived experience i after studying with him for quite some time i think about three years i had to return to australia to care for my parents i wanted to return to australia to care for my parents meaning i had to leave mumbai both parents were dying and we wanted to be very close to them that was a period of about two years i expected it to be lengthy we said to uh, guruji i'm leaving uh, I won't be able to see you for some time, looking after mom and dad. He said, take this, and he gave me a conch. I had watched him blowing the conch. He blows two conch shells, <laughs> but that's another matter. I watched him blow the conch for years, never once thinking that I would blow a conch. To me, it's a sacred thing. He said, take this. I said, what am I going to do with it, Guruji? He said, put it on the window as so a decoration, if you like, or blow it. It belonged to my mother. It was her conch, and she blew it in the last 20 years of her life. So it was an astounding gift. And when I came back to Australia and began looking after my parents and settled in one place, I decided that this thing he'd given me, if I was actually going to blow it, I had to be worthy of it. I couldn't just go to a party, come back and start blowing the conch, this conch that he'd given me that his mother had blown. So this is a long answer, guys, on the spiritual path. So, all right, going back to Australia, looking after mum and dad, setting up, Looking at this conscience, thinking I'm, I'm going to try this, I'm going to do it. There were steps I had to take. Firstly, to be worthy of it, and that's and I knew You have to go deep inside yourself. Yourself. You have to admit everything. You have to repent. Frankly, you have to go in. You have to feel remorse. You have to understand your own guilt. To say I, I get this, I accept it. I'm not going to carry this on on my back as a stone that crushes me. I'm going to take this guilt as the shining shield that protects me from now on because I don't want to feel this again, and I don't want to in, induce this again, I don't want to inflict this again, uh, and so on. To go deep within yourself and say, okay, it's not enough to say, oh yeah, these are my sins, now I'm going to blow the shell. <laughs> you have to go, it takes longer than that. And it did. I knew this would be a lengthy process. So one, you have to be worthy of blowing the shell. And then secondly, when you go into it, you have to be honest. You have to be sincere. There's no point in doing it as a, as a kind of you know, exercise, um, of keep fit, it's not that, it's a sacred thing. And I'm a rational thinker. And so for me, I had to take a leap of faith to do that. So firstly, I tried to prepare myself to be worthy of doing it. And then secondly, I tried to make myself rationally safe to say I can do this without feeling like a fool or a fraud. And so I did, and I worked out a framework that let me do it. When I was ready, I started blowing the conch for the first time. And from that moment on, for the last six years, I've been blowing the conch. And it transformed my life in every way. So the spiritual path, I kept notes about what was happening to me and what I was seeing around me. And the spiritual path is about that. When I went off the grid for six years, took the leap of faith, blew the conch, and then analyzed my notes from it and said, this is what I know. The little that I know, here it is, in this little book called The Spiritual Path. So that's what The Spiritual Path is about, in answer that question. And thank you for, there have been quite a few questions, what is The Spiritual Path, why did you write it, and so on. I hope that answers it for you guys. And look, next time, when we get organized with this, I've got so many, this was the short list. And there's a, a couple of fantastic questions. I'm gonna leave you with two without the answers, and make you think about the answers. Are you ready? Here's the first one, because it's right here in black and white. Somebody boomeranged this right back to me because they happened to be my questions, and someone said very casually, How about you answer these? So they came back. And the first question that is: All right, what is the relationship between consciousness and matter? What is the relationship between consciousness and matter? The second one is. what is a universally acceptable definition of good and evil? One that anyone, everywhere, in any place could accept. Yes, that's good. That's evil. I understand that. So they're the two questions They got fired back. I told you these questions are going to be hard. They got fired back at me. I'm going to give you the answers in our next roundup of questions. Keep everyone safe in this time. Keep everyone close. Love everyone you can. Share your love. One love, Jamaica. Blessings, blessings. GDR out.